it's really hard for me to not call bullshit whenever I hear people say, well, I just, I don't think I can work with someone because we're just so different. Bullshit. You can. You can. You know what I mean? You can. And let me tell you how you can. Who that person is innately, like as a person, as they are, has absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a person. You could be from two completely different worlds, completely different worlds, and work in perfect harmony. It's really just whether or not people want to. It's not about whether you can. You absolutely can. Just be real and say, I don't want to. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Shavonda Gardner is a blogger and interior designer who lives with her wife and children in Sacramento, California. Her blog, SG Style, is all about small space living and boho vibes. Her design philosophy? Just because you live small doesn't mean you can't have big style. Shavonda believes great design is achieved when we let go of the rules and shift our focus to creating spaces that make us feel amazing. This was the first time I'd ever gotten to chat with Shavonda, and we recorded our discussion about her journey in the military over Skype. All right. I'm so stoked to meet you, and I'm so uh, grateful that Justina um, Blakeney introduced me to your work because uh, she was on. She was actually uh, on very, very early in the day of Out of Line. And, um, and when I asked her, like, who do you think would be awesome to have on? You were one of the very first people that she mentioned. So wow, I'm I actually, <laughs> I'm like so shocked. Like I have goosebumps. Um, I absolutely love Justina. She was probably one of the very first people that I like straight up stand when I got into the whole world of blogging. Um, I just love her. I just felt like you know. She just, there was something about her and the way and her approach to everything that just really spoke to me. And I've just been a huge, huge fan and huge supporter of hers ever since. So for her to mention my name, it's like, wow. You know? <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, wow. <laughs> well, you deserve it, girl. You did it. You, you created that. I mean, she is amazing. I just, I'm always so inspired by how she makes time for other people. And, you know, she's, she doesn't just, uh, kind of soak in all the attention she can. She'll always make sure to include and mention others. And um, she's a good one. So I feel really lucky that I get to share a city with her. Um, and I'm so I'm so stoked that she told me about you. So um, this is really fun to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> next time you're in L.A., we'll we'll have to go steal her away for a lunch date. Yes, we do. <laughs> so tell me about you a little bit, because literally all I know is a little bit of Instagram stalking, which was so enjoyable. And I know that you do um, design work that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like pre-design world, tell me something about you, something about pre-your life before, you know, design social media world. Right. So, um, as you got, well, as you know, my name is Shavonda. I'm like really big on introductions. So I always have to like reintroduce myself, even though you already know who I am. Um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so my name is Shavonda and pre-design world, my world was all about like the military. I, that was really my initial career path. And you know what I started in outside of right outside of high school, um, 
you know, I was in the military and not only in the military, but I was a military police officer. So my world was very, very, it was very like regimented and, um, you know, just a completely different world than what I'm in right now. Yeah. So Um, different. I mean, I can only imagine, but so different. Yes. Incredibly different. You know, like I said, very regimented, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, um, you know, not a lot of personal creative freedoms, you know? Mm. Um, so my path to where I'm at now has been really interesting just to say the least. Cause I, you know, I never would have imagined in a million years that I would be where I am today and doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have so many questions already. So, um, were you in the army? Is that what, is that what you mean when I'm, I'm so bad at this? Like I'm going to ask probably a lot of really (laughs) dumb questions. I was in the air force. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was active duty air force. Okay. And Mm -hmm. did you, was that something that you always were really drawn to? Like throughout high school, did you know that that was something that you were were interested in? Yes. Um, I knew at a young age that I wanted to be in the military and mainly because for me, the military is like a family business. So, you know, both my parents, my mom and dad were in the military, my aunts and uncles, grandparents, cousins. Um, you know, it's just, it's a world that I was born into, was raised in. So it just was a huge, huge, huge part of who I was and, and my identity. Um, so I knew, um, that that's what I wanted to do, you know, even like when I got into high school, I knew that that was going to be my path. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So did you grow up on a lot of different, um, military bases and, and like traveling around doing the different, um, you know, living in different areas as, uh, the child of two people who are in the military? Um, or did you live in the same place for most of your life? No, I was a quintessential army brat. Um, (laughs) never lived anywhere more than like two or three years. Um, moved around a lot. Uh, the longest place I lived somewhere was Georgia. Um, and that is where we moved there when I was in like the middle of eighth grade and I graduated high school there. So that was, you know, the longest place I ever lived in any one location until I moved here because after I graduated high school, literally a month later, I myself then joined. So then, again, it was like living in different places. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And where's here now? Where are you based now? Right now, I'm based in Sacramento, California. Okay, cool. Um, So what was just sort of starting from the kind of beginning, what was, what were things, what was it like to grow up as a, as an army brat, like, or a mil- what did you say army brat? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was it like? Um, and what were maybe some things that, you know, even growing up you, if you were so aware of this being your family business, what were things that you saw that you were like, Oh, I'm excited to do that. Or I'm proud of that. Or I'm, you know, were there, were there elements about, kind of watching the world as you grew up that you were drawn to? Yes. So I always, always loved, because I didn't know any different. I love the fact that I got to move around and got to see and experience different people, different cities, different places, different cultures. That's something that I would say 
really, really ingrained in me at a super young age. And I, I didn't really understand or, you know, know how to label it or any of that until I became an adult, but just being able to have, you know, create lots of different relationships. Um, you know, it really helped with my personality because it's like, whenever you move around a lot, you don't have the luxury of like taking time to like, slowly get to know people Mm. um because like as soon as you get to know somebody it's like you're on to the next thing so that really helped shape like a lot of my extrovert you know who I am as an extrovert and how easy it is for me to like talk to people and kind of get to know people um that was something that I was always really excited about um and then like I said getting to travel you know I grew up Um, a little bit. We lived for three years in Germany. Um, So I remember being in elementary school in Germany and just thinking like, this is so cool. You know, I'm doing things that a lot of kids don't get to do, you know, Mm. Um, to, to be able to live in a different country. It's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's pretty dope. Also Germany. I love, I mean, I love Germany. I've, I've only been um, to Berlin and a couple other spots, but I was, I mean, it's such an incredible place. So, um, what a fun adventure to get to do. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have siblings? Um, and have any of them, if you do have any of them also been, uh, in the, in the military? Um, I do have siblings. So I'm the oldest of three. There's me my brother and my sister and all of us joined the military. All of us joined the air force. Oh, wow. So yeah, (laughs) I told you it's like a family business. I love Um, it. (laughs) so I was actually first generation air force. Um, you know, my mom and dad were army. Um, we have Marines in our family, Navy. Um, but I was like the first person to go to air force. So, um, shortly after my brother, well, after my brother graduated high school, he joined the air force. And then a few years later when my sister graduated high school, she also joined the air force. So, um, my sister is the only one who's still in the service. My brother and I have since gotten out and now have just different careers. Okay. Wow. That's really incredible. You are not, you were not exaggerating when you said family business. (laughs) That's amazing. So what's something, uh, you know, just sort of like family culture. I mean, with the five of you, even just within Mm -hmm. your immediate family, what's that like? Do you guys have like inner, like inside jokes about things or is it just kind of this understanding? Like, are you guys all really intense people who can be really rigorous with each other because you're also also like used to that or are you all I mean what is that like what's it like to be in the room with with the five of you well we're all very loud and obnoxious um, <laughs> and <laughs> my wife always jokes and says that like she like being in a room with us is like overwhelming because we're so loud um <laughs> But no, honestly, we, it really bred a super, super close bond with us. Um, We didn't, we weren't around a lot of extended family for long periods of time. Like we obviously, um, we mainly split a lot of our time between Louisiana and the Carolinas, but mainly Louisiana, because that's like where my dad is from and my grandparents. So that was kind of what I would like to consider like my home base. Um, summer vacations, there was a period in time when my parents lived in Korea and we couldn't go with them. So we lived with like my grandma. Um, so like that is 
also like home for me. Like really, whenever I think of home, I think of Louisiana because that's where home has always been, um, even amongst all the traveling and moving around. Um, but it really made us really close because like I said, we didn't live like up the street from our cousins and grandparents and aunts. Um, we didn't have, you know, that like nuclear family unit that most people have Mm. where, um, you know, like their grandparents are like in the same city. We did not have that. So it was like home is where we were sent and our family, like us as siblings, we, had to be close because like really we were all each other had you know what I mean Mm. Um, and so we're still like that to this day me and my brother and my sister are extremely close oh I love hearing that that makes me so happy that's awesome I love it I'm I'm also the oldest and I'm the oldest of six and it's very fun to have um crazy relationships with your siblings and and Mm -hmm. I can only imagine you know, getting to share career stories and, and even just yes. upbringings that would really. Yeah. And that's, that's actually really cool too. Um, I do feel like we have our own language and our own experiences that like, unless you've been in the military and unless you've been in the air force specifically, you won't understand. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like you won't understand some of the things that we're talking about, some of the things that we're doing. So, you know, it's like when people go to college, like say if, you decide to go to your parents' alma mater and you just have this sense of pride and this sense of connection um, that can only be felt by someone else who is also, um, who also attends that institution and, you know, has gone to that school. It's very much the same. Uh, So, you know, unless you have gone through the process and have worn the uniform and have made that a part of your lifestyle, then you just, you really won't understand you know what I mean? Mm, so absolutely. I do love that we have that kind of that connection. That's I feel like is a part of us that no one else really gets unless you served as well. Mm, yeah. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to know, I want to know specifics. I want to know your experience. So, you know, you, you are growing up in, in this world as a yeah. army brat and you, you see it and you love it and you know, it's kind of your path and then you finish high school and, and sort of what happens. I mean, what, what's next, what's training like, um, tell me everything. I just pretend <laughs> I basically, I know little bits, but I feel like even just this, even just this world, just as a side note, not to take away from your question, but as a side note, I just, I think that, um, I, in my experience, and maybe this is me and just interpreting it, but it feels like a lot of people shy away from talking about stuff like this because then it's like, oh, well, obviously it's going to get political now that we're talking right. about, you know, the military. And now now it's going to get awkward because now we have to start talking about politics. And so people just like don't talk about it. Um, right. So anyway, yeah, that's just a side note. And I love that we're talking about this. And um, I can't wait to hear just like your experience. And yeah, thanks for being willing to share it? Um, so, you know, training is different for each and every, um, branch. Um, I would say, you know, so joining the air force, like my training, you know, my basic training and like my other technical school trainings are very different than like if I were to join the Marines or the Navy or the army, um, you know, each, each branch has their, what it is that they, their power. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're kind of 
your training is going to be very geared toward whatever your branch is. But I will say, you know, it's scary. You know, it's scary to be 18 years old, fresh out of high school. You know, you, you get a plane ticket and you're sent off to basic training in a city that you've never been to before. Um, you know, something you have to understand, like some people have never been outside of the town they were born in ever in life. They've never been on a plane. Um, and so they dump you into this pool. I like to call it of other people that are scared out of their minds, just like you, Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm. And you're this young, impressionable person and you become very quickly become like family and learn to lean on these other people because you, your power, you're no longer an individual. Mm. When you, when you show up to basic training, you show up. I showed up to basic training as Shavonda, um, you know, as the person that I was at the time going through the process. And by the time I get out of basic training, I'm no longer Shavonda. I'm an airman at the time. My last name was Presley. So like I'm airman Presley. I'm part of a unit. I'm part of a team. We operate as one. We walk the same, talk the same, wear the same clothes. Like my own personal identity, as far as like on the outside is not, is no longer there. I'm part of a bigger picture. Mm. Um, so that experience is, you know, it's unique. Um, and it's, it's scary. It's hard. It's a lot of physical work, you know, getting up at 5am to run, you know, six or seven miles, whether it's raining or cold or hot or (laughs) whatever, you know, the physical part, but then also, um, you know, you're learning about the culture, the military culture, you're learning specifically about your branch, um, you know, your history, the history of your branch and how things operate and what the rules and regulations are. And so it's just, a, it's a lot of training. It's a lot of learning um, and just kind of really preparing you for this new life that you're about to lead for however long it is that you signed up, you know, whatever, however long, mm. um, just learning how to, how to live that new life because you really do leave your old life behind. Did you know that you wanted okay. to do the air force Um or were you, did you have to decide, you know, were you debating about which branch to um, to work with? So I was debating a little bit, but like really the decision was easy because my parents were like, you will not join the army. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they basically told me I was not allowed to. Um, so they kind of were like, you're going to join the Air Force. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to take their word for it. They served 20 plus years. Like they know, you know, Uh Um, so, but also what branch you join really depends on like your test score. So it's just like, you know, like how you have to take the ACT or SAT in order to get into college. You have to take what's called the ASVAB. So you have to take a test um, in order to get into the military. Okay. So each branch has their different benchmark of scores that they're looking for, um, in order for you to be accepted. And, um, you know, the air force is hard. It's harder. It's hardest to get into the air force of all the branch of all the services. Mm. Um, yeah, the testing is a little bit harder. Like the scoring system is a little bit harder. So, you know, they're pretty, they can, they're pretty, I don't want to say picky, but they're really selective about, you know, the, their accepting their acceptance process is pretty selective. Mm. 
Okay. So you, so you get there and you're totally scared out of your mind. And does it feel like everyone else around you is, is, is there kind of like an excitement, like everyone chose to be there or are there some people that are like, I don't want to be here. This is bullshit kind of attitude. Um, are there people who are there who are like, I'm too cool for this, you know, or is everyone just in general, like I'm scared, I'm ready. I'm here. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, I would say that there are definitely some people, you know, everybody's individual motivations for joining the military, everyone's motivations for joining the military are pretty individual. So, you know, some people are there because they're, they're, they're a patriot and they really want to serve their country. Some people are there because the military is going to offer them a way out of, you know, whatever situation they were in before. Some people are there because, um, you know, they're going to be able to get an education through the military, you know, like everything mm different people are there for different reasons. Um, I should say that I personally was not scared of basic training. Um, because my parents were in the army and like, basically my life was like basic training. (laughs) 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 Like as far as I would say, just a lot of the things I knew what was going to be expected. Um, you know, so like I didn't have any fear over the actual process of like being there. Yeah. You know, that didn't scare me at all. Um, I think the thing that was a little bit that was very like kind of, oh, crap, like this is really happening is just, you know, getting off the bus when you arrive um, after being picked up at the airport, getting off the bus and just seeing all of these other people that are, you know, also looking around and and. I, when, so when I joined, I arrived, um, and my base training is in San Antonio, Texas. That's where all of the Air Force does all of their base, all of their training, their basic training. Um, and so I arrived at like in the middle of the night, it was like 2 AM or something when Mm. we got there. So for me, it was just like, you know, I was tired, I was exhausted and it's like just a lot happening at once. Um, so it was just kind of like an overload of the senses, but as far as, you know, there definitely were people there that were like, this is crap, you know. Um, but trust me when I tell you, after about a week of, of being there and having your instructor yelling at you, you lose the attitude real quick. Mm. So. They may have they may have thought they were too cool in the beginning, but after a few ta- after a few days, there was no more there's no more cool like you like yeah all the cool just slides right out of your <laughs> <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like you're just like oh shit this is like shit just got real yeah it's real real quick no time to be cool so. I love it I love it um, okay <laughs> so how long how long is training and and then what like what did you do from there. So when I joined, so like I was, it has changed so much. Like the military is like an ever evolving machine, you know, so a lot has changed. But when I was there, basic training was six weeks after basic training, you go, you go on to your specific career field training. Um, And then that's going to be for however long, however long. Okay. And what was, you said your, uh, actually, I don't know. Did you say what yours was? I don't think you did. Unless you, did you say air? Um, So I was in military police. Okay. So after basic training and my training was also in San Antonio. So like I stayed there, but I just went to a different location. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
from there it was 10 weeks. It was another 10 weeks of training. Okay. Which training for to be a cop was a lot more rigorous than basic. I basic was like a cakewalk compared to training for my job. Really? Yeah. What was, what was so challenging about it? And were you surprised at how hard it was? Um, I wasn't surprised. Um, it's challenging because it's a very physical career field and it's very male dominant. Um, you know, it's just like being like a cop. Like when you think about the police force outside of the military uniforms, you know, it's the same kind of culture of, it's very male dominated. Mm -hmm. Um, quite physical mm. very very physical so yeah so what is the role of military police are you um are you existing sort of within the u.s are you going overseas um yeah like i said i apologize for not knowing more um because i think mm -hmm. it's probably i think yeah what i was saying before about people shying away from it because it, it getting you know like political and, and uncomfortable because it's like, I don't know what to do about it. Um, it's I think it is one of those things that I'm going to ask all the really dumb questions. But hopefully, as I'm learning, others can learn as well. And then we can all be hopefully uh, better, better citizens because of it. So apologies for my dumb questions. But what okay. um, what's the role of military police? So it's just like being a police officer like a regular police officer, except my boundaries are within the military. So like I, like I could not as a military police go out and like pull somebody over and arrest them outside of the base. You know what I mean? Outside okay. of where like it's, there are two different worlds. So it's like, imagine a regular cop, like a regular civilian cop, but in uniform and my quote unquote world of like operation is, on base it's within the military oh um, so like we have a badge we have a gun or guns in my case multiple weapons um you know we have rules we have regulations we can arrest people um everything just like everything that a regular cop would do we do but we do it for the military and wherever it is that we're stationed totally makes sense okay so yeah. where were you stationed okay Oh boy. So, um, the first portion of my enlistment, I was in North Dakota, which was literally hell on earth. Um, <laughs> anybody who is a native of North Dakota and who lives there, like, please know that I mean absolutely no disrespect when I say this, but I would not wish that place on my worst enemy. <laughs> it is fucking hell. Excuse oh my, my language. No, no, you um, can swear away. What, um, what's bad just, about it? You know what? It's cold as all hell. Mm -hmm. And it's very, like, barren. Like, there's, like, nothing there. Like, when you think about North Dakota, what do you think of? Uh, I think of fracking. Right. So, it's, like, imagine, like, fields of, like, wheat and sunflowers. And, like, in a Cajun all house. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's just, like, like desolate. There's, like, like, nothing there. Yeah. Um, and it's cold. And it's it's just a different lifestyle. And because you have to understand too, like I am a black girl from, I was a black girl coming from 
Georgia, like Savannah, Georgia area. Oh, big change. Yeah. To North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, you know what I mean? Like, those are not my people. Not like, your I people. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, no. It was, yeah, it was a very tough. Um, the first year was incredibly hard um, there. You just, you know, it's a complete lifestyle change. Mm. So I was in North Dakota. I was in North Dakota. Then I went from North Dakota to Vegas. Okay. So that was awesome. Um, you know, I kind of look at it and say, like, Vegas was my reward for, like, enjoying North Dakota. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went from North Dakota to Vegas and then Vegas here to California. And that was it. Okay, sweet. And so how many years were you with um, – how, how many in years were military, you in active I was, duty? I was in the military for six years. Okay. And was that the amount of years that you signed up for at the very beginning or did you ever re-enlist? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I could have chosen to stay in and that was my intention. Like when I very first joined, it was going to be a career. I was going to do 20 years and retire. Whoa. Um, The military, as the entire world knows, it changed very early in my career. Mm. So then, you know, it just kind of changed everything. It changed all the plans that I had and everything. Mm. So, How did it change specifically and was it something that you were surprised by or did you see it coming so it changed because 9-11 happened um I was in the military prior to 9-11 um I actually was on my very first leave like after basic training after my regular training I'd already gotten to my first duty station and I you know it was the first time I was able to take leave and go home um so I actually went home to see my brother off. He was joining the Air Force. And so I was home to kind of wish him well and kind of like help prepare him for what he was about to do because I literally had just got done doing it. And that's when 9-11 happened. Actually, my brother, we we actually hugged him and put him on a bus headed to um, the plane on 9-11. Wow. His, his service date, like his date that he was joining the military was 9-11. Oh, wow. Um, obviously, that changed, um, you know, and things got halted. And um, But, yes, so I was at home, you know, kind of seeing my brother off and, and visiting family when that happened. Uh, and so by the time I was clear to travel, fly again and everything, and I got back to North Dakota, like, like I said, everything had changed the entire landscape of the military and our mission and everything had changed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And did it, Mm -hmm. did it feel different from the inside? Um, did it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It felt different for sure. What was one of the ways that, that it could noticeably change like right away? Uh, so noticeably, there was this realization that war was imminent. Like it was coming, mm. you know, mm. and you knew that. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so up until then, at least you know, in our in a lot of our yeah. lifetimes, up like- until then, it was like peacetime. I mean, obviously, there were missions that were happening, you know, specific missions and things like that, but it was not. It was not, you know, like the military as a whole at large. It was not 
like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So all that, of a sudden, it's just that, a little bit more. Yeah. It's just a little mm-hmm. bit more like a reality of what could what could happen. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that being a very, uh, very sort of dark, dark, intense shift, and and just like energy of like, oh wow, this is, this is real. Yeah. We're not just like reserves, any not not that anyone would even think that. But if in case anyone was like, oh, I'll just join this because it'll be a great way to get education, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, oh shit, I actually might be yeah. in war in you know a few yes. minutes. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. That's pretty heavy yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have any really um, any memories that stand out or any stories that um, that are either favorites or um, just things that were big moments for you in your six years of service that you would be open to sharing? Uh, I think really big moments for me were, um, you know, I had people that I was in service with who who left and never made it home. Those were the biggest, um, you know, those were the biggest moments. Um, and they, they're still really painful to talk about. Like I'm, I tear up now, like when I think about it, um, just because, you know, it's just, it's, you know, Mm. it's just one of those things. Mm. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. But like on the same token, I, um, have, you know, some of my absolute closest friends in the world that I'm still incredibly close with. I met when I was in the service, you know, and so you really create lifelong bonds. Um, and it just gives you an understanding of people. I think, I think that's why I really am. Like I always was a natural people person, but I really attribute my military service to, my ability to really empathize and like understand that people, everyone is different, you know? Um, and there's nothing like having, you know, 30 other girls standing like naked in a room next to you. And you're all like taking a shower together right quick. <laughs> Cause you have to like put on your uniform and get ready to line up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, there's, there's nothing like that vulnerability. Um, of like all of these different people from all of these, from all of the world, different personalities, all of this stuff. There's nothing like that in having all of these individual people know and understand that we're all in this together. So let's just work it out. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's nothing like that to like give you an appreciation and understanding of like the world and of interpersonal relationships, (laughs) you know, and like of like relating to people. So, yeah, I'd say that was probably the biggest and most wonderful thing that I got out of the service is just being able to really understand people and my love of people. And it made me just such an even more empathetic and understanding person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it. I I want to know, you know, what is it like when you are when you're in a, a unit of how many people were you uh, training with when you did when you were training for your 10 weeks as a military uh, police? Oh, oh lots. Hundreds. There hundreds. Were hundreds of us. OK, so you're literally with like every uh, probably, you know, 
age, race, like national, not, not nationality, yep. but, but just like different, yep. you know, everybody's, yep. everybody's diverse, yep. everybody's there, but you're exactly. all existing as one. And as one. so literally wh- as one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how does that, I, I, I mean, that's, that's so inspiring to me because mm-hmm. it's like, let's put aside our differences and focus on what we have that we share. Um, yep. and let's focus on like the task at hand rather than, yeah. Um, nitpicking the things that absolutely don't matter. Don't matter. Yeah. Exactly. So did Um, you within this, sorry, you were going to say something. (laughs) I think there's like a tiny leg. So I keep feeling like I'm talking over you. So I'm really sorry if I am. (laughs) Okay. No worries. No, you're fine. Um, Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. That's why sometimes like this whole, it's really hard for me to not call bullshit whenever I hear people say, well, I just, I don't think I can work with someone because we're just so different. Bullshit. You can. Mm. You can. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can. And let me tell you how you can. Who that person is innately, like as a person, as they are, has absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a person. You could be from two completely different worlds, completely different worlds, and work in perfect harmony. It's really just whether or not people want to. It's not about whether you can. You absolutely can. Just be real and say, I don't want to. Mm. Girl. That's, you know what I mean? Yes. That's the bottom line. Because like I said, if you could take, you know, white people, black people, Hispanic people, Indian people, Asian people, young. Um, the only thing I will say that is was the one key element um, with being in the military is that we all had to be able-bodied. That was part of the deal, like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So like you can't be go into training if you're not able bodied. Right. So I'd say that was probably the one the one kind of like box that was not checked as far as the diversity pool. Mm -hmm. But everything else, when you think about the fact that, you know, whether you're black, white, whether you're a man or woman, um, what your personality is, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, um, what you believe in, all of those things, like none of those things mean shit at all Mm. when you are put together for the purpose of working together as a team your life literally depends on this person having your back literally yeah um you know when you when you go out into that kind of situation it's like this is your wingman this is literally the person that's going to have your back they're watching your back they're making sure that you know you're protected in the places that you can't see and so if you can, you can put your life on the line and put your life in the hands of somebody who is completely different from you, then when you're not in that situation and you don't have that kind of real world, like war stress, you can sit down and have a fucking conversation with somebody mm. and listen to their point of view. Mm. You can absolutely do it. You just don't want to. Ugh, girl, you know what I mean? You, so, you are, you are saying all truth i love it's it it's just that's why i look at people i'm like you're no this is ridiculous mm. yeah <laughs> like, come on. yeah seriously yeah seriously and so so coming from you know i was saying that people don't really talk about this and my interpretation is because um it gets awkward and political but within your 
group of people that you were working with, um, mm-hmm. was there a diverse range of political, you know, beliefs, like even just different religions? Like how oh, sure. What was absolutely. That? Yeah. Absolutely. And was that like, something the military doesn't mean you have to like even like politics? Yeah. At- most of the people in the military don't give a shit about politics. Like they don't care. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, like that's not what they're there for. Yeah. Um, so yes, there are a lot, I mean, just as diverse as it is on the outside world, it's, just, it's that same thing on the inside world. You know, there are people who are super conservative, people who are liberal, people who, you know, like absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely diverse. Um, some people, liked the president at the time some people give shit about the president at the time like it did yeah it it all it doesn't matter Mm, mm. (laughs) it matters but it doesn't yeah what about you um what about you with your with your sexuality was that something that you were free to talk about was that something that um were you affected at all by any don't ask, don't tell kind of mentalities. Um, was that something that you felt acceptance for at the time? So I actually came out like, and didn't even really come to the realization, realization of my sexuality until I was already out of the service. Um, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't even something that was like, I was like, Oh, like I didn't have my Holy crap. I'm gay realization like light bulb moment until after I got out okay but yes certainly I had friends and people that I served with who were um who are who are I'm not gonna say were but who are (laughs) gay Mm -hmm. um and at the time that I was in the military don't ask don't tell was in effect and so it definitely affected you know their ability to talk about their relationships um openly just because it was you know, that was a regulation. Mm. Uh, and you know, I can imagine that that was really hard, um, you know, to have like this, this part of you that you can't share that you're not really allowed to talk about, you know, that's, that's gotta be hard, especially in a, in a world where family is a huge, I don't know if it's the case for the other branches, but in the military family is really big. Mm. Um, you know, and having a work-life balance is really big. So I, I can imagine that that was really tough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what about you and and becoming a veteran? What was that process like? And I would love to hear your thoughts on veterans now, just, you know, as a, as a really important topic that no one talks about. Well, some people do, but not enough people. Right. Right. So my kind of switch from being active duty to being a veteran was actually quite abrupt. Like I said, I planned on staying in. I was going to be in for life. I was going to be in for 20 years and retire. Um, But when it came down to it, as I approached the end of my enlistment, my first enlistment, you know, I had the choice of whether I wanted to stay in, whether I wanted to get out, whether I wanted to try to, to retrain into a different career field. So like not being a cop anymore, but maybe being something else in the military. And that's really what I wanted to do. But at the time, um, military police officers or SPs, as we call them in the Air Force, were in such high demand. And at that time, I'd already had like security clearances and all of these things that, you know, like all of that stuff costs money. So 
once like once the military is invested in getting you these clearances and you have them and you can maintain them, um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where they really can decide, like, you know, I'm sorry, like, I know you want to do something else, but we need you here. Mm. And it, that's what it's all about. It's about where they need you, which is fine. But at the time, um, my daughter was three, four. My daughter was four years old um, as I was approaching the end of my enlistment. And I just kind of had to think, like, did I want to stay in and, you know, like take the chance, take the the risk of, you know, like being deployed? Because my career was highly deployable. Like you we were, you know. They deployed all the time. Mm. So it was like, you know, do I want to stay in and do that or do I just want to get out? And so literally like overnight, I was like, I'm getting out. Wow. And then like two weeks later, I was a veteran. Wow. <laughs> so that, that really, and that is not that is not the way that it goes. Like the military does provide like a transition period um, for people that are thinking of getting out and like transitioning from being active duty to getting out. And so, um, but yeah, so my, my transition was quite abrupt. Wow. And so do oh, yeah. they provide, do they provide any sort of support as you, you know, as yes. you transition and what's that like? Yeah, they do. They do provide support. Um, you know, they do. I, like I said, and I'm speaking for, for, for the air force, because that is my experience. That's the service that I was in. Um, so yes, we have, you know, we have trainings and there's courses and there's like, um, you know, so they kind of show you like how, now that you're out of the military, you're going to be looking for a job. So there's a lot, a lot of like job search resources, helping you to build your resume, um, showing you how to navigate the uh, medical system once you're a veteran and no longer in the service. Because when you're in the service, like it's not like going to like a Kaiser or like a Mercy or whatever. It's like everything that we have is ours you go to a military hospital you see military doctors you you know everything is like within your own little world and it's like you don't even realize a lot of times what's happening outside of the military when you're in it because it doesn't apply to you as much you know what I mean mm -hmm. um so it's like once you become a veteran it's like you're not going to have that ability to just like go on base and go to the doctor and do whatever you want so like they really are preparing you to live your life as like a civilian and not like as somebody who's active duty yeah yeah but it's um, it's almost uh, like you're unplugging from this system that you know you've been you like are. one with all these people and this is yeah. your life and this is your everything and then all of a sudden yes. you're without that and I mean yes what is that like it can be incredibly hard and I, I think that's I will say that segues into something that I'm in super passionate about uh, when it comes to that. And that's veterans specifically like mental health um, and everything that it means to no longer be serving a country. Um, there's a really high rate of veteran suicides, veteran homelessness, um, veteran depression, because you have to understand that you, when you join the military, like I said, you join as one person and through your career, your life has changed and your, your mind, you're mentally and emotionally programmed different. Mm. Um, you're, and I don't want to say program like they're turning us into robots. Um, but just the way of our life is different. Yeah. Um, 
and it's not something that you can, like I said, it's not something that you can understand unless until you've been in it, until you've worn the uniform and until you've served. But, um, there's a reason why everyone doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very, like I said, it's, it's, you are one person. Mm. And when that kind of lifeline that you're used to is unplugged and you're just kind of like, okay, thank you for your service. Boom. Get out. It's so lonely Mm. because you're, it's like you're standing in the middle of a street as traffic is driving by super fast and there's all these sights and sounds and it's like this whole entire world that's happening around you and you're so unfamiliar with everything. It can be very, very, very tough. If you don't have a strong support system and if you don't have, um, you know, basically if you don't have the support to help you make that transition, it's very hard. Mm. Um, that's why a lot of veterans, you know, especially people that serve 20, 25, 30 years, a lot of them will die like soon after they get out just because it's, it's just hard. It's really hard. Mm. Uh, the transition can be really tough. Yeah. I mean, as you've been talking, I just, I got this sort of like mental picture of all of these, all of these beings kind of coming together and they're all individuals and then they all kind of come to, together and slowly over time, they just sort of melt into this one big, huge yeah energy force of like a ball of energy and then Mm -hmm. and then if you all of a sudden pull what you know just reach your hand in and pull some of that out and set it over you know a mile away from the ball of energy all of a sudden it's it doesn't know how to continue to be what it was anymore and I I'm not necessarily I haven't gone through anything similar but even just with that mental picture I just can only imagine how how lonely and almost just like how much anxiety there would be just like where where's where's my where's my support where's my energy force where's my yeah yeah yeah. it's like Mm -hmm. your your skin becomes someone else's skin because you're all just in in this community that's so tightly knit that Mm -hmm. where you where you end and someone else begins is just kind of this one unit and so to then all of a sudden have that ripped away I mean um, I only just know a few stories from, from friends who are veterans and also, um, a really, a really tragic thing, uh, happened at my parents, at my parents' church where, um, a guy came home from, from serving, um, in Afghanistan and yeah. he, his mental health was so, it was, it was horrible. He actually yeah. murdered his wife and, you know, yeah. and, and he just came yeah. home and was not well at all, but yes. there was no one yes. there to support and there was yes. no one there to do anything about it. Exactly. And it's heartbreaking. And it it's, is heartbreaking. it's just, it's one of those things that, um, you know, clearly there's a problem and there's a, there's a pattern and there's a, just a lot of like, you know, hand wringing of like, oh, this is what do we do? And this is not okay. Um, but, but not a whole lot of education about what to do or how to change things. Do you have, do you have sort of opinions on what should or needs to be done or even just how, you know, normal citizens can support? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just understanding that, like you said, um, I just want to piggyback on something when you said it's like one big ball of energy. Like you have to understand that literally that's what it is. You know, there's a reason why we, we all wear the same uniform. Literally 
you know, our hair is the same, mm. uniforms the same, shoes are the same, everything is the same. Um, because no one is meant to like stand out. You're you're meant to be as one. So like you said, when you break away from that, especially if you've been in the service for years, you break away from that and you're you know, you have to take that uniform off and just put like regular clothes on and like go out into regular society. Mm. It's really hard. It's like, whoa, like this is weird. Mm. Um, I don't want to compare it to prison because it's not, it's not the same, but I will say I can understand how it would be the same. It would be as difficult. Um, because you know, the, when you've been in prison or whenever, whenever you've been in any type of institution where you are kind of part of, you're not an individual and you're just kind of part of a, a bigger system. That's like that sameness. Um, getting out is tough for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of them end up back in prison. Um, but I will say number one, for the family and friends of people who are active duty, like they serve just as hard, just as much as the actual service member. You know, you have to understand these are the husbands and wives who are left home when their partners are sent off. Hmm. They're the ones that are picking the kids up from school, taking the kids to school, making dinners, doing homework, um, all of that when that their, their partner is not present. Um, you know, it takes a lot, you know, they're enduring long periods of time without physically seeing their partners. Um, and it's really, it's, it's very, very tough. So, um, number one, just kind of knowing and understanding that if you are the spouse or partner or loved one of somebody who's in the military, like your service counts just as much as theirs does because they can't do it without you. Mm. Um, and then I think that, it would really, really help if that same kind of training that goes into preparing the veteran themselves for getting out needs to be applied to the family, the children, the husbands, the wives, the parents, wow. um, whoever that veteran is going to be going back into regular civilian society and being around, they need training. They need therapy. They need to be prepared to see the signs and understand the signs of being aware of is their loved one okay? Mm. Like, are they really okay? Because sometimes it's like so, like you're so just happy and in this world of like, oh my God, you're home. You know, I'm so happy to have you here. Meanwhile, like the veteran is like suffering in silence because they are having a really tough time to transition, but they don't want to put that on their loved ones because they know that it's, um, they know that it's, you know, they're so excited just to have them available mm. when like maybe emotionally and mentally they're not available and they don't know how to ask for help. Mm. So I think that providing, like I said, therapy and training and counseling and support for the family and friends of the people who are now going to be a part of their lives on a much more consistent basis than before, they need help too. Um, and more so just to be able to see and help them help the veteran with that transition. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think that that's a really big thing 
that I feel like needs to happen. It needs that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I can see Um, that. I can see that uh, making a huge difference. Um, because it is, it is, it's new. Like, you know, none of the people involved have been through it before and the parents or the, the siblings or the spouse or the children or whoever it is has never, you know, most likely they've never supported someone coming home from something Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, and, and for some people like, you know, there are going to be veterans who have served and who have, who have been deployed and who have been on like a battlefield. And then there are going to be veterans who aren't. And so there's a different level of trauma that this, this person has experienced that you, you will not understand. Like you have to understand that if you're, partner or loved one was in a war zone and they have seen their comrades die in front of them, or maybe they have had to shoot. Maybe they've had to take a life. Mm. Um, that is something that can easily break a person in such a huge way. So them coming home can be very triggering. Yeah. You know, something as simple as slamming a door, having, you know, your kid run up behind you and grab you from behind. Those are those little day-to-day life things can be incredibly traumatic mm. and triggering for somebody who has been in war. Mm. Um, and so that's what I mean. Like these, it's just regular things that they don't talk about and that nobody is discussing and nobody is prepared for. Yeah. Um, that makes it hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and my hope is that as, as mental health becomes something that is more discussed and more talked about yeah. in the collective consciousness and that we all, you know, remove the taboo nature of talking about things like depression and anxiety and you know instead of it being this thing that it's just this shameful I have to be alone in this and I'm not going to talk about it the more that there's freedom and permission to see it as something that we all experience at different parts of our life and we know someone who's going through something and it's okay and that we don't have to do it alone the more that that becomes something that we're all talking about I my hope is that you know, we will actually do what you're saying, which is realize, you know, veterans, um, veterans need support, but their families and loved ones do as well. Because like you said, I mean, we're not, we're not thinking like that. I'm not my, I'm not thinking, oh, this person has just been through something that I could never understand or imagine if I tried. So I need to be aware of things like ABCD, whatever. Um, and, and also just look out for these signs. And the the thing is, it's okay to not know, like, it's okay to be like, I've never been through this before. Someone who Mm -hmm. knows what they're talking about, help me. That's okay. And I just think, um, I love that you're speaking about this because uh, it is such a real topic and it affects so many thousands of people um, in a really real way. So I, I'm really grateful that you're speaking up about it. Um, what about just the average American citizen who's just like, I want to be a good citizen and I want to support veterans, but I don't know any, you know, I don't have any close 
close loved ones that are veterans themselves. But how do I how do I even just like interact with with veterans, you know, or how do I post about veterans on Veterans Day in a way that's respectful, that makes them feel seen, but not, you know, just some sort of weird, like have to say something kind of Mm -hmm. um, how do how do we support um, even if we're not a close loved one? I think that the best way is really just um, maybe if you're the kind of person that is really active, like tangibly active. So there are some people who just are not comfortable with like getting out there and like hands on action. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are that kind of person, I would say definitely look into your local veteran centers, contact them, ask how you can help. Um, You know, there are so many ways And so many, they are happy to tell you like, oh my God, we need X, Y, and Z, or we're having a luncheon. Please tell your friends, tell your families, uh, you know, whatever there's, you know, there's all these like local, um, veterans chapters and it's always a good idea to start there and just kind of see what it is that you can do, um, how you can help, how you can volunteer, how you can spread the word, um, And then also just like researching um, causes that, you know, directly support Mm. veterans. You know, if you if you're the type of person that's like, you know, I don't like I'm not going to like go out in the street with, you know, signs and like march, but I will like give you my money kind of thing. Then finding and I, I like to say keep it local just because a lot of times I just really believe that a lot of like larger foundations, sometimes your money doesn't go where it should be going. So I would say just like find your local chapters and find out if you prefer to monetarily assist because your money could go towards local programs. Um, you know, like say they're trying to ramp up a... I don't know, summer education series, I don't know, whatever. If you donate to that, like, you know, your money is directly going to help with like supplies or books or help to pay the educator that's going to come and talk or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would say finding local, um, talking to the local, your local veterans chapters and finding out how you can help that way, I think is a great place for the average civilian to start. Mm. I like good practical I can actually do that advice. So thank you. Sure. I just want to say, you know, to everybody who is a veteran, all of my fellow veterans, just know that I love you and I see you, um, you know, always and forever. And for anyone who's considering joining the military, just know, like, my experience was really positive. I never once not for a second have regretted a single minute of my military service. Um, and my love as far as like the military is concerned, my love comes from the people. It comes from the people who choose to serve and for the people who are there supporting you as you do. So mine has never been about the politics. Politics has never been about the president who I'm, protecting and like that's not that was not my why Mm. um so 
just for if you are thinking about and considering joining the military, just understanding what it is that you're joining for, why it is you're joining, and just being prepared and being open to give yourself the opportunity to just have a, a great experience because it's life-changing and you're joining a, I would like to call it like a secret club, um, but like you are joining a club of people who will be your brothers and sisters almost immediately and for life. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. That's incredible. That's really incredible. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. Um, before we started the this call, I had no idea that that would even be our topic. So I'm loving <laughs> this. I love it. I love it. I feel like, uh, I started, I started this space as a, you know, safe space to talk about things that aren't often talked about. And I definitely feel like I'm the lucky one that gets to, gets to learn stuff like this. So thank you so much. Thank you. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Shavonda Gardner about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?